The Land Bolton Podcast is sponsored by Murr Ranch Group, serving buyers and sellers of legacy ranches and sporting properties with conservation values since 2005. Welcome to the Land Bulletin Podcast, where we discuss a wide range of topics impacting landowners, ranchers, and future land buyers. I'm your host, Haley Murr. Last week, founder of Murr Ranch Group, Ken Murr, and I spoke with Murr Ranch Group's Utah-exclusive marketing affiliate, Chris Caroon. In part one of our two-part series, we'll start to explore everything there is to know about ranches in Utah, from petroglyphs to Park City. Let's see what we discovered. Welcome back to our Lay of the Land live series. I'm your host, Haley Murr, the Director of Operations here at Murr Ranch Group. If you are tuning in for the first time, this is our live stream series where every other week we discuss the ranch and sporting property market, buying and selling advice, and the latest best stewardship practices, as well as topics currently impacting landowners. Murr Ranch Group, for those of you who are first joining, is a full-service ranch real estate brokerage and consulting company focusing on legacy ranches and sporting and conservation properties around the West. Today, we're going to be focusing on ranches in the state of Utah. How are the ranches different there? What should investors be expecting to see in the market? And thank you to all those who have submitted questions. We'll try to get to them on this broadcast, but if not, we will make sure to get to those after this. Um, helping me out today is the founder of Murr Ranch Group and Utah broker, Ken Murr. Welcome, Ken. Hola. How are Hola. you? I'm swell like you. I love talking about Utah, by the way. It's, it's kind know. of one, one of my favorite places to go. We're based out of uh, Colorado, but you've been doing business in Utah for a couple of dec- decades now. Yeah, I, I remember I first moved to Colorado. Yeah. I moved to Colorado and I was like, uh, one of my first camping trips was out on the, out on the river, uh, near Moab camping out. And it's when I started reading desert solitaire and all these really great books about Utah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places to go. Um, and I've gone on a lot of road trips with you out there, which has been really special. Um, and while we do know that, you know, Utah very well, and you have a passion for it, there is one at Murray Ranch Group that knows it a bit more. <laughs> And that is our exclusive marketing affiliate, Chris Caroon. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Ken. Hey there, hey, Chris. Chris. Thanks for joining us today. Um, and Chris, I, you know, just out of uh, curiosity, how long have you lived in Utah? Uh, I'm native of the East Coast. Uh, been out here for about 30 years after uh, stints in other places around the world. That's amazing. And Ken, you've known Chris for a while now. Yeah, we met a number of years ago at a Trust for Public Land event. Uh, and conservation stuff that that's kind of how we got tied together and then i started you know oh i'm from you know the long island and oh i went to georgetown and you know and then i worked on a dairy farm in australia or something and now i'm in in uh utah so that's kind of you know we're we're bound by our kind of passion for 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 land yeah my my dream was to be a dairy farmer and uh, right. ended up being a real estate broker instead. <laughs> How does that happen in Long Island, by the way? Uh, just I had a little. I had some uh, experience when I was younger milking yeah. cows, um, and then um, I did an agricultural exchange program to South Australia. Wanted to wanted to end up on a ranch, but I actually ended up on a on a small dairy farm and 
the Adelaide Hills, and that was a wonderful experience. Uh, well, I'm sorry that the dairy farmer uh, job did not work out, but we're grateful <laughs> that we found you <laughs> uh, because you've been awesome to work with, and we're so happy to have you on today. So I guess just you know, to start, uh, we've talked a lot about land ownership. We've focused on the Rocky Mountain region. But for those who are tuning in who don't know a lot about Utah ranches and the ranch real estate market, what's, what are the biggest differences about Utah um, that would intrigue investors? So it's, a, it's obviously a wonderful state. It's got a, got a varied, uh, varied geography from the kind of northern breadbasket, which is um, northern Utah, a lot of, a lot of agriculture, a lot of, uh, a lot of actually dairy production up there, a lot of hay production. A lot of good irrigated ground up there, down into really the Wasatch Mountains, the northern Wasatch. You, you went to mountains where you've got some great recreational ranches, good hunting ranches, big, big animal herds, um, not necessarily huge animals. And then you kind of continue down the I-15 corridor where you've got a lot of good irrigated ground um, along both sides of I-15, some good, good little mountain ranges for hunting. And then you've got this, you've got the great the kind of the, we call it the Great Basin, the West Desert, which is a really spectacular part of the state. And again, we'll talk about this in a bit, but a lot, most of this, a lot of this is public land. And uh, heading further down to I-15, you've got um, kind of Red Rock country and, and around St. George and Moab and some beautiful terrain in the south, central, southeastern portion of the state, which is um, some good good mountain ranges and some good trophy uh, elk hunting down there, bull elk hunting down there. So not a ton. Of, we, we have some good river corridors, but you know, it's not, we're, we're not Wyoming or Montana. We don't have the amount of private deeded ground that the state of Montana has. So it's a, it's a different state, but uh, there's some great opportunities. And Ken and I have been very successful in putting uh, buyers and sellers together on some some really spectacular properties in the state. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think uh, if I if I look at the state, I, I, I was always just immersed originally in the Red Rock country of Moab. And then you go down, you know, further south and, and you get into the Grand Staircase Escalante. And it's just crazy, just the layers of beautiful rock and, and formations. But, you know, it's it's not necessarily the big state for the large fisheries or, 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 you know, the floating is awesome though, like for river rafting, starting up in, you know, by green river and, and coming through the Canyon countries. I had a buddy from California just went through there floating through the green uh-huh. broke down in green river, U- Utah though. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know if he's out yet, but, uh, uh, so, you know, and then I got to learn the Wasatch part of the state, um, uh, that we've done quite a bit of work with, and then just getting down into things that we did out by Zion and, and all that. It's just absurdly beautiful. I, I think the, ge- the geography, geology, just the landscapes are so different in Utah than any other state. Mm-hmm. Well, it almost feels like you're going through almost six different states in one while you drove, drive through it. Yeah, you know, you, you exit into Canyonlands and then you hit these beautiful areas near Zion and then you hit St. George, you hit park city all of the resorts out there which we'll go into a little bit but you live in a very cool state i'm i'm jealous it's great i actually actually drove up uh, to salt lake from st george this morning and just driving up that i-15 corridor there's some beautiful terrain it's kind of high desert and carries up to the kind of the alpine range so there's good good 
great parks. Most people from outside the state, you know, when they think of Utah, they think of our, our mountains and our national parks, but there's a lot of really good stuff in between. Yeah, I remember even on that I-15 doing those lavender fields. Like uh-huh. you'll be, all of a sudden you see these things, you go, what? You know, yeah. you could be in Provence or something all of a sudden, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, you kind of mentioned it and alluded to it a little bit. You know, people, when they think of Utah, they do think of these national parks and this kind of public land component. Can you tell me a little bit about how Utah is different to a lot of states when it comes to the amount of public land versus uh, private that is in the state? I think about, I think it's roughly 75% of the state is uh, it's either school institutional land, forest service, ton of BLM land, and, uh, and reservation land. So obviously there's, you know, there's a lot less brokers in the state that work on farm recreational and ranch deals. Uh, around Wyoming or Montana or even Colorado for that matter, but there is that that does put a lot of put a lot of pressure on not only kind of hunting and just the 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 ability to you know buy big pieces. Mm-hmm. So we just don't have the volume that we see in these other states. So it it is interesting and great hunting on the public land. Obviously, that's one one plus. There's there's great resources for recreationalists and and folks that like to fish. So, but it is, it's, it makes Utah a lot different. I think we're the, we're, we're number three in this, in the state in terms of our percentage of public land relative to, to uh, our land mass. And if we compare ourselves to Montana, which is essentially, I think 65% private, that's a huge difference. So. It makes a difference, right? And it, and it makes a difference in some of the politics as to, as it relates to like, I used to do land exchanges and you can tell, you know, Utah is always, we don't need any more public lands per se, yeah. right? Um, we'd like to get a little more profit, you know, from our uh, development ground. And it's always the, kind of the beehive state. And so we always find too, you know, if you're going to do something that, well, conservation is very strong and they have a great movement for conservation. There's also though, uh, you know, strong interest in, in uh, private property rights. Uh, so that's good when you own land. But we do get into places like Annabella, for instance, where, you know, you've got a scattering of property because of all the public land. You have a bit of diversity, I think, of, you know, the private land within, you know, with the, intermixed with the public land too, right? Yeah, we have, a, we have a great listing down in the kind of the central part of the state, just east of Richfield, Utah. It's, the, it's about, it's a total of about 88,000 acres of, uh, of deeded and private and that particular landowner works very well with the, you know, the federal, you know, the BLM and Forest Service and the state. And dealing with the feds is getting a lot trickier. They're they're dealing with this, the state, the local level. Um, even we do work in Idaho. Even dealing with the state of Idaho, they're can be really great to deal with, as well as the state of Utah. But you know, it's it's it'll get a little bit tougher at the federal level, especially for folks grazing. You need to know what it is when you go into it. Uh, a lot of people from places like Texas come to us and we say, look, you need to understand the public land component. I was a public lands attorney. So for me, it's kind of an easier deal. I kind of, I get it. And, and if anything, they're kind of interested in just knowing what's the kind of overall carrying capacity of these properties when you're dealing in drought and deserts and other things like that. I, I work on a project called the Sandy Ranch, which is near uh, Capitol Reef National Park. And you know, they had water that came from this upper western plateau that then flowed through, stopped at a lake and then went through a canyon that was built, you know, 100 years ago to get to the ranch. 
and uh-huh. out of 7,000 deeded acres, you know, there were probably only, you know, 600 irrigated acres. And then they leased 200,000 acres uh-huh. that went all the way down to like the shores of Lake Powell. And, but, you know, within that, you've got free roaming bison. You have some of the largest deer herds in, in, in North America, especially the size and the capacity. And you're just going, how did this happen? And why are all these bison out here? that are free roaming, which is really cool, but those impact your public lands because of your grazing permits and stuff like that. And you got this water coming from this basin through national parks and they and actually had to ride and move their cattle through part of the national park to get to their upper grazing properties. Uh-huh. Crazy. I mean, they were walking on, cattle walking on slick rock to get to where they end. Occasionally they'd slip and they go down the canyon and they, by horseback, they save them and bring them back up. I mean, there's just kinds of stories like that, though, that make you feel like you're part of the West. Yeah, it is. And there's 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 pressures, too, with uh, with the evolution of these kind of handheld apps like OnX, which is great, great resource for us. You have a lot of uh, a lot of users, recreationalists, hunters that are now know where to get around and what's private ground, what's public ground. And they they are taking advantage of sometimes trespassing and, but they're taking advantage of, of accessing public uh, lands, which, you know, 10 years ago was a lot more difficult. So it was what's private, what's public anymore. So. And one point to that is sometimes uh, anybody who uses the apps, just understand sometimes when they show roads, it doesn't mean they're public roads. Yeah. That's that's probably the greatest issue with some of those apps right now. I mean, just, I'm just thinking about some of the, things you guys have handled and been successful selling like the trees ranch and Rio Virgin. I mean, these are, these are properties that you would never see in any other state because of the national park and national forests and these beautiful um, monuments that exist in your state. I mean, you can get these ranches that are the most unique properties out there because of the adjacency to these public lands. So that's a little catch 22 with that. Yeah, I mean, every property I've ever sold, and, and Ken is probably the same, has always been adjacent to or surrounded by either either BLM or the school institutional land, mm-hmm. truck ground or forest service ground. And that was that was the case with Wasatch Peaks Ranch, which we, we sold several years ago, which was a pretty large sale. Well, yeah, it's, it's when you do something like the Rio Virgin or the trees, for instance, even Sandy, any of these, uh, the valuation becomes a real interesting um process and um even like the trees was like a little over 2000 wasn't that big but it was surrounded on you know two sides by zion and then a wilderness area on the south side of it and then but it had frontage as you're coming into springdale and and it had water and it had the virgin river going through it too two forks of it and really cool architecture and and, and things like that and uh i had to look at values of other sales properties near other national parks in the United States. You can't just look in the community and say, oh, what happened on the road? Well, there's no down the road that's comparable, right? You know, yeah. and, and I think too, when you looked at the the, the Rio Virgin, which, which was downstream from there, unbelievable improvements. But again, that was one of those kind of, you know, there, there weren't many of those spots available along the river. And people are, you know, as a someone who takes a lot of buyer questionnaires and things that come through people are constantly looking for these diamonds that are 
adjacent to public land, super unique, one of a kind. And I feel like Utah out of any place that I've seen you guys list properties has those, those way more than others per capita. So, and that kind of brings us to another point we wanted to bring up is just the unique landscapes of Utah and the natural diversity that occurs there from uh, convergence of three distinct geological regions. Can you tell me a little bit about those different regions that exist in Utah? You're probably referring to the um, kind of the Colorado Plateau and mm-hmm. that, that area down near southern Utah, but it does, it, it, it apparently it, it's, they're different ecological zones. I think, I believe they refer to those as an ecotone and apparently they promote, you know, a variety of species and flora and fauna. So it's, it's well known if you talk to certain ecologists, they're obviously well-versed, a lot more well-versed than I would be on something like that. But it does, it is a, it's a fascinating um, part of the state. I don't know if you have any insight on that, Ken. Well, I was, uh, is, I was even thinking back in trees when we were doing some of that, you know, here we had desert tortoise, you know, but then, then you, you had these, the, all the mule deer and things of like that and different types of raptors. And I saw these birds that I've never seen, these bright uh-huh. red tangiers and you know, birds I've never seen in my life kind of. Yeah. Um, and, but then, you know, the same state, you know, you've got elk, elk, I mean, and amazing elk. I mean, you have trophy quality elk in Utah as well as mule deer. So you got the big game kind of species, but then drive around the corner, then, then you see a prehistoric petroglyph. Then they have these wild exotic uh, kind of uh, fish in, in the rivers, right? You know, and streams, these chubs that go way back to, in time. And uh, I don't know, I, I just never found a place. I, I just can remember it even floating down some of these places and beaching. You know, with your sandals on and everything going, God, this is great. I mean, but at the same time, in the same state, you could be skiing, you know, and, or you could be in the desert exploring. And uh, you just think of the vastness of that whole Lake Powell area and the hiking, that wilderness areas out there. You can, in fact, people, unfortunately, can die if, you don't, if you're not careful, right? Just knowing where you're going sometimes can get turned around. I didn't even think they hosted that film. Was it like, uh, was it 24 hours or? 17 hours. Or, yeah. Like had a, got <laughs> lost kind of hiking by himself, but. Not uh, to <laughs> yeah. No, but I think it's just, it's so incredible that you can have all these kind of alpine settings and then have this desert kind of climate yeah. in the it's same like, state and drive just a few hours away. Petroglyphs to Park City. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, well, I, was, I was mountain biking up in Snow Canyon State Park and in, in, uh, outside of St. George last night. And it was dark and it was beautiful. And there's a little desert tortoise uh, preserve in that area. It's up by the, uh, I think it's the, it's with, there's a wilderness area just adjacent right. to the park, but really good terrain. And here I am in Northern Utah and it's a different story. It's cool. It's probably gonna, you know, we're look, first day of fall, I guess, or um, maybe that was yesterday, but uh, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to skiing. So hopefully we'll get a snowpack this year with the La Ninas. Thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned next week as we continue our discussion with Chris about ranches in Utah, the different aspects of water in the state, as well as his best advice for investing there. I'm Haley Murr, and I made this episode with the help of our head of marketing, Mallory Boyce. Big shout-outs to the founder of Murr Ranch Group, Ken Murr, and our special guest, Chris Caroon. For more information on the ranch real estate market, 
and other topics relating to ranch ownership, be sure to check out our website, www.murranchgroup.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Land Bulletin Podcast. See you next time.